0: Welcome to Heartbeat, a podcast run by Alter One College, where we discuss how to flourish in all things life, work, and relationships. We'll listen to the stories and wisdom of our staff and draw upon outside guests who are practitioners in their field. We hope these episodes inspire and equip you to flourish, whether in the context of Alter One or beyond, to the rest of life. Well, welcome to the Ultra One Heartbeat podcast, everybody. And today we've got Rick Pickham on the show with us today. And we're going to be talking about fathering, father figures, the whole concept around fathering. So welcome to the show, Rick. It's good to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Great to have you with
1: us, mate. It's been a
0: long time coming, but we are very, very grateful for your time, mate. Indeed. Uh, So, Rick, you are a dad to four biological kids as well as two long-term foster children. And you've also been a father figure to over 70 other children in out-of-home care and who you and your wife have welcomed into your home over the past 12 years. And you've also been a mentor to many more as a leader at your local faith community. And whilst fathering is not about the accolades, it is worth mentioning Mm. that in 2022, you won the Community Father of the Year Award. Which is an award for the national charity, the Fathering Project.
1: Unbelievable. That is, yes.
0: Yeah, so let's just pause and say how I, cool that I, I, is. I do need to pause because <laughs> seventy children. Okay, seventy.
1: Yeah, seventy. Like I've got a fa- I'm a father of three, but seventy mm-hmm. says a lot. Yes. Yeah. About you and about your heart and about just who you are. Mm. And so, we are genuinely honoured. And yes. We just want to say a big, massive thank you for just your heart in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's incredible.
2: Oh, uh, it's been. All, I mean, a lot of those kids obviously come and go, and sometimes they're even only there for a weekend. But for a lot of the kids, it's it's the kids without a home, without anyone mm. positive in their life. They've come from uh, broken circumstances, whether it's from family, whether it's from decisions made, many oftentimes beyond their their scope. So they just need often a temporary place. And as you mentioned. A few of them have stayed with us mm. long term. So, yeah. wow. so um, that's I, the immense need of foster care in this community. Mm. Uh, there's over 5,000 kids in Western Australia alone in oh. out of home care. So it's 50,000 around Australia. Oh, goodness, It's a huge need in our community. And even people listening here probably know someone who's either needed a temporary home or mm. foster care. And even those 5,000 kids don't include the probably many thousands that are in Kinship care, which is like in the care of a grandmother and the care of an auntie or yes, an uncle yeah, or something like yes. that, which that field would be even <laughs> yes. more. So there's a lot of there's a lot of need out there, and mm. um, and we know that the need is to have safe families for people to have an opportunity. And whether it's short term, uh, whether it's even um, you know one particular case was a near teenager who just was taken out of her home and just needed one spot for the weekend before that she went to yeah. a grandmother grand care, yeah, and wow. we were able to provide that space. That's amazing for her.
1: Incredible. I wow. mean, you're right. I mean, there's a massive need out there, and just to hear the gravity of that impact and what it's doing. I mean, we see aspects of that impact in in the young people that we work with in in Alter One, um, and yeah, for that that father figure in certain spaces is just really critical, mm. really, really important. Makes yeah. a huge difference. And for
2: some of us, we are um, we are very lucky. We're very fortunate to be into Raised in a home mm. with a mom and a dad and parents who love each other, and that's a huge, huge advantage. Oh yeah, and it's an advantage, um, if I may say quite crudely, um I've, I've said in it times, it's it's the lucky sperm club. It's it's literally <laughs> because you were born into a good family that you've got more mm. opportunities than yeah. those who who haven't. And but for many, they don't have the same opportunities. So many are successful even with a single mom yeah. or a single dad. Yeah or even just living with grandma and grandpa or have had some trauma in their life. Um, but we know the fathering project, does a ton of research on the stats that mm. kids without fathers or father figures mm. are just more likely to have yeah. negative outcomes in yeah, a variety wow. of, of contexts. So, oh, fascinating. Um, right. so anything we and I can do to provide, and it's, sometimes it's very small stuff. Mm. Sometimes it's massive stuff mm. with our own kids, but with the kids outside our mm. biological family. Yes.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. That's very insightful very inspiring as well i'm curious um even as you're talking i was thinking to myself what are the parts of your life story i guess Mm. for lack of a better way of describing describing it uh parts of your life story that eventually have brought you to this place both both uh (coughs) as a father but also a fathering figure tell me Mm -hmm. tell me a bit about that
2: well i'm a child of divorce
0: of many divorces
2: so my parents had previous marriages divorced in those marriages, married each other, had me as their only biological kid between the two of them, divorced each other, remarried each other, divorced each other again, and then may or may not have been together before my dad passed away about 12 Ooh. years ago. So, uh-huh. um, you know, when I was a young kid, you know, parents had some conflicts. So I remember I lived with my mom as a single mom for many years in my junior high and high school ages. And while my dad um, loved me and and cared for me in many ways, he was very much a typical dad who spent his time working Mm -hmm. and felt that his contribution was to provide for us as a family and to work. So there wasn't a strong emotional connection. There wasn't a relational connection as such growing up. He was just sort of there and then sometimes not there. And then in divorce, you sort of. Are somewhat connected to them, and, you know, I was that was the age where you spent every other weekend with your dad if you were divorced, and maybe had a little bit of access, and yeah. um, but there was no strong bond or connection there, particularly relationally or spiritually. In many ways, there were some great things that my dad did for me, and I certainly always knew he was there, um, and he always provided for us, but it wasn't that strong bond or connection. So, um, so being a child of divorce, I feel that tension that many of our families are facing, uh, and so one of the big things for me. Was that I was married a bit young in my 20s, but I made the the conscious decision that divorce, the line of divorce was going to stop with my side of the family. With my sort of decision that I made to marry and commit to my wife and that that the divorce was not going to be a part of our, uh, it's not part of our lingo. It's not part of even jokes that we make about each other. It's just not an option for us Mm. as a family. So that's one strategic thing about making me the dad I am is that uh, I am committed to their mother um fully without any mm. uh qualifications or expectations or things that say you know you have to be this in order for me to love you no we've um i've mentioned to people before that sometimes young people or, or even older people sort of try to make the decision how do i um how do i make the right decision about who i marry and i often say to people actually you have to spend the rest of your li- the rest of your life making that decision the wow. right one you oh, have to work on making the decision that you made the commitment mm. to this woman to the mother of your kids, and you have to sort of fight for that and everything you can. So that's a little bit about my journey. My wife, Louise, loves kids. Um, she talks often about, it was pretty much the third date where she said, you know, <laughs> we're going to be foster parents. We're going to be, we're going to care for foster kids because she loves kids. Uh, she met me in the U.S. as an au pair. She left Perth when she was 18 years old, pretty much the day after her 18th birthday, yeah, to wow. go pee an au pair, which is like a foreign exchange in any, yeah. if you've heard yeah. of that. And we met at my home church, and Mm -hmm. her faith grew at my home church, and my faith was always strong at that home church. And um, we led small group together. We got married, had my first son, and then moved to Perth in 2008. And it was pretty quickly after that that we went through um, what was basically a year-long assessment to become foster parents Mm -hmm. uh, in Western Australia. So, um, So that's a little bit of my journey that behind every good man is a much better woman. Uh, And so my wife is amazing in what she does and who she is. Uh, She sort of leads the way in terms of the passion for kids. I've done a little bit more work with older kids. Um, We've sort of made a little joke that my wife sort of does a lot of the parenting from 0 to 10 because she loves babies and kids. And I've done a lot of youth work, so I sort of have to take them forward from 10 to 18 and these days probably to 25 knowing how kids are today. So, yeah, so as, as a dad, we're a team. Um, but she's been really the driving force, and I've I've ridden some of her coattails. Yeah, that's awesome. um, as a, as a dad for the kids, so mm. yeah, was
1: wow. so good, so good. I mean, that, just thinking there's an old quote. I don't know who who wrote it. Says that the greatest thing a father can do for his children is to love is to love their mother. Yeah, and so just listening to the, mm. I think the united sort of front that you both share. For, for caring for young people is, is pretty incredible.
2: Um, and I'm sure people listening know, you know, it, it's really tough when dad doesn't love mom, when you don't have that sense of, you know, mm. dad's model um, protection for kids through their relationship with, mm. with mom. And it doesn't yeah. mean that you can't survive a relationship or you can't be a good parent without loving mom because there's so many reasons why relationships break down. And sometimes yeah. it's not anyone's fault. It just It just breaks down. Um, but it is something that's um that's so important and mm. even i've i've read in some books recently about one of the best things even divorced dads can do mm. is to still be you know President. support mom and lift up the mom even mm. though you're you're conflict because that's what's going to help kids to yeah. see right. and it, you're oh, right
1: yeah. it's a challenging space i can't imagine what it's what it's like i know mean, I, I know my wife and married 25 years that's a massive she's a huge backbone mm-hmm. she's like the queen of the house the heart of the home if yeah, if that ain't, mine if, very much if, is. If that ain't good, it's it's tough. It's a tough gig. Yeah. So, you know, I, I look at the father figures and fathers and the importance mm-hmm. of them, but I also know how important yeah. mums are. And, and, I mean, that's becoming uh, and is a really big prevalent issue with single mothers and, and the, the whole kin, kin, people like grandmas and granddads care, and yeah. aunties, uncles. So that caring for young people on a really big scale is, is huge. Um, thinking about, though, in regards to the whole impact of fathers as a whole, or fathering. As a whole. Um what's some what's some you know, you sort of shared a few insights, but if we drill into that a little bit more, what's what's some of the other things you've learned in regards to the impact of father figures and, and fathers mm-hmm. in the home and, and with
2: yeah. kids? One strong one is this idea of presence. Um one of the things a dad can do is to be present with their kids. And different dads, it looks differently. I always said some some good Aussie blokes, which I'm not necessarily one of, loves to go out and uh, build things, work in the shed, work on the house, work on different things in the house. And yeah. um, the temptation for blokes and men, particularly dads, no matter what the age are, is to sort of do that on their own, to do that by themselves. Because the kids can be a hindrance to what you want to achieve. But one of the best <laughs> things you can do is to take your kids along the journey, is to bring them along with you. So... Um, And it doesn't always mean training them to do exactly what you want, but having some sense of presence that Mm. they know what you're doing, that they're part of the journey Mm. or even just showing them, hey, this is what I've achieved through Mm. the shed. So um, one of the things I think I said last year when I was doing these interviews is that the three temptations that dads often face is to, you know, to retreat alone into the shed um, on the couch or out doing something else. And we all need that escape, you know, you can't have the kids around all the time. Um, but even, you know, my temptation, I love watching sports on TV. And sometimes it's easier and better to just watch it on my own. But sometimes the best thing you can do is, is put a child on their knee or put the arm around them and take them on that mm. sporting journey with you. Whatever your interest in and yeah. speciality is. So the big thing is about being present. Um, that your affirmation of kids um, in their interests and in their skills, you know, that's... Um, You don't want to be – if you can avoid it, depending on your work schedule and circumstances, you want to show up at uh, assemblies. You want to show up when the kids get an award. You want to be present because um, for the most part, I don't want to overgeneralize everything. Mom's always going to be there. Mom's always going to be the support. There's even an inner biology there that says Mm. mom is a nurturer. She's the one that's always going to support. But when dad shows up, when dad takes an hour off of work Mm. to show up to my assembly, when dad – honors um that um you know for me you know different people have different i always my kids always get a high five you know high five when they leave high five when they achieve something that's sort of the natural thing that i do that i hope that that speaks to them you know that dad's in my corner um and you want to sort of set that up so for me presence is a is a big thing yeah um you know things like reliability that you're reliable to your kids and certainly there's a sense for many families that you know dad of course has to work he has to raise the money he has to keep um keep families in line although moms increasingly and in some relationships moms are making more money um, which can be a challenge mm-hmm. for some dads but um i just met a dad today actually this morning who um he only works three days a week and his wife works the full five days a week so he has the babies the, the two days a week and that's okay yeah wait it's not 50 years ago where masculinity was purely around you worked and mom was home yeah it's actually okay if dad's spent some time um, at home, I know there's some different schools of thought on that, but uh, whatever works for your family and your marriage relationship. So I think presence is a big thing.
1: Yeah, massive, massive. Yeah, I guess uh, there's something that's sort of rolling over in my mind at the moment in regards to, I guess, the impact of, of father figures and particularly the the idea or the emotion of dealing with anger and how you navigate that as a father figure. I think, you know, when you're raising kids and you 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 you're Leaning into helping young people, I mean, especially when they're older and they start to become teens, mm. dealing with your own emotion, your, you know, and stuff like that. What's some thoughts yeah. in regards to that, mate? When it comes to the impact of that, and and how to mitigate it, yeah. and how to, how to how to get some mastery around
2: it. Yeah, I I love sport as I mentioned before. I love watching sport on TV, and inevitably, whether you watch footy, whether you watch soccer, whether you watch American football like I love, whether you watch basketball, um, I try to always point out that there's always going to be a moment with these bloke, testosterone thing, so there's going to be a fight. There's going to be a conflict. There's yeah. going to be a thing. I don't know if you ever watched this in, in sport. It, it's true in many sports. Whenever two guys start to fight, it's usually the second guy that gets the penalty. So they start to have this conflict, and someone will instigate something, but then someone will pull them down and throw them to the ground, and the referee will go, 50-meter oh, penalty or you know penalty flag in mm, NFL. Yeah. And I always point out to my kids, you see that the violent response – not only punishes you, but it punishes the team, it achieves very little in what you're doing. And it actually, you know, hurts your team and and hurts your thing. And that Mm. the violent response is one of the biggest issues in our culture and society. Mm. Um, You know, you always see these, you hear the news about these one punch attacks, or these brawls and bars and stuff like that. And I could say that very often, it points to someone else instigating or doing something bad. But then the other person responds in anger. And it's one of the big problems of our culture and society. Yeah. So I always point that out to my kids. Yeah. Say, See, something happens to you, if you respond violently, yeah. it's going to cause mm. conflict in, in your life. So how do you control your anger and your outbursts yeah. through using that example and analogy? Because mm. anger is something natural. It flows up into them. Frustration with the kids not listening. Um, frustration with teenagers who aren't living the life that, that you leave. And how do you control that anger? Because we do model that for our kids um i don't want to speak specifically to anyone i mean for some people it's just breathing it's just taking a it's taking a deep breath Mm. in circumstances it's constantly keeping the fact that there are consequences to responding in anger um you know even little boys and and little girls but even some little boys you know you feel you see that anger rising up Mm. and you see that clenched fist and how do you sort of control that and understand that there's always going to be a consequence one way or another mm. and a consequence that you can't live without. I think violence is one of the biggest issues in our society culture. This is this toxic masculinity mm. yeah. language that mm. for whatever reason, um, it's not just a men thing, but in many cases, our default is to respond to violence.
0: Yeah. Well, and that was going to be one of the questions I wanted to ask you was around. So obviously there's the, that, that version of toxic masculinity, as one one problem but i'm i'm wondering if there are any other current challenges as well around um, that are facing fathers and fathering figures in yeah. in today's society. Look, i think the anger question you brought up is
2: is a big one and mm. not just look, obviously there's a difference between your kids just won't listen to you and eventually you get so frustrated that mm. you just sort of you blow up in a way that you yell or you send them to their room and you go like, oh i I shouldn't have really handled that. Well, maybe another part of it for dads particular is actually this idea of repentance and forgiveness that mm. actually we're all going to lose our cool. We're all going to respond. Yeah. Hopefully we right. don't respond in this immensely yeah. violent way where there's an immense consequence. But even when you respond, it's actually going and saying, you know what? I'm sorry. I, I handled that wrong.
1: Yeah. And mm-hmm. being
2: open and admitting to the fact that, Hey, sometimes we do mm. mess up and there may have been inevitable consequences, but the idea of repentance mm. that we are not perfect. We don't have it all together and we mm. respond negatively negatively. Both to our kids and in our marriages and in the wider community in our mm. workplaces. We probably in our workplace don't have enough of you know what, mm. I, I, I wasn't very good to my coworker or my colleague in that circumstance. So I'm mm. you know, I need to I need to wear it. Yeah. And and apologize yeah. and, and repent. And mm. I think that posture Makes a massive difference mm. in people well, and it models response. It models as well. Yeah. It yeah. models it models a lot of things, but it also hopefully means that it gives a sense mm. of grace back to you. Yeah. yeah. Imagine how unique it would be in your workplace if someone mm. apologized for something that mm. they messed up and did wrong. It's actually a countercultural thing mm. in yes. our society. I think we tend it to is. suppress mm. things and suppress conflict, mm. and that's where the anger sometimes comes from. if you suppress, you suppress for so long. Yeah. It eventually boils up, and you can't. Mm. keep it now it's just too big. Big. And then and then it yeah. too big and then it becomes too big and then in in a worse way you blow up but in a really worse way mm. that's where some of these things where these immensely violent reactions come yeah. at night or if it's fueled by alcohol or other things in our in our culture and society so yeah. i think anger and the lack of forgiveness and repentance is a big part of the challenges mm. um we're facing as as a culture and society and that's where i think dad's can model that you know and us as men or even may i say father figures um can model that in terms of the example you said as youth group leaders as pastors as teachers Mm. um when you're a positive sort of older figure Mm. kids are going to look up to you and they're going to see the little reactions that you Mm. have and they're going to see that modeled
1: it's so it's, it's 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 so uh it's such a big area i mean Yeah, definitely. I mean, anger for... for, I mean, as much as everyone gets angry, everyone loses their call. I think it's definitely a a battle for men, for sure.
2: And, And I think also, like, some of us are inherently probably more tend to the violence or strength than others. And for those who maybe gravitate that way it's what can you find something else Mm. to plug into is that doing things like a boxing class is that doing things like you know cycling or running or especially when you feel like you're in that mode how can you sometimes Mm. it's okay so you know what i need to escape yeah and i need to go ride my bike or i need to go have a run or i need to go you know do something in a controlled environment i even sense this with my little kids you know my older kids they play soccer um they play my daughters play netball these typical sports but for my younger boys who come from some traumatic backgrounds we've actually mm. done things like ninja mm. classes yeah and yeah, great. you know classes where hopefully they can learn to channel that yeah aggressive tendency that they have yeah. into something positive into yeah. something team you know mm. even in sports like footy like you know we, we I'm, I'm sure many people listen to this, follow footy australian football to some extent that there are some really strong blokes but if you channel that into the skills on the football mm. field, mm. you end up being a stronger player. Yeah. You, end up being, you can yeah. channel that. Yeah. You know, you need a sense of that testosterone strength to play yeah, yeah. a sport like that. So if mm. you channel it in the right way, yes. and you control emotions and environments mm. in that. Or mm. and you have good coaching, mm. you know, which is another model of a father figure can be just a good coach. Yeah. Who actually um, puts his arm around you and says, you know, we've got you, we've got this as a team. And being part of a team, yeah. you might be less likely to respond in an individual in a negative way, but you might actually be less likely to respond that way because you're going to let down the team. Mm, mm. And so thinking of yourself as Mm. a team, Mm. like this is my footy team and my family, this is my family. I'm going to let my family down Mm. if I drink too much at night and respond in alcohol-fueled violent Mm. ways because I'm Mm. not just going to impact myself, but I gonna impact the team. impact my wife. I'm going to go home in in a negative way. And it's controlling that aggression.
1: Mm. I guess the other thing you know I wanted to ask is just what are what are some things that you have personally learned as a father figure um, that are going to be applicable to to other areas of life. Mm-hmm. You know, just from your perspective what are some things you you've learned on a personal level.
2: I think one of the things is the place of hope that sometimes you look at circumstances and you look at kids but you look at adults as well and think gosh where's the hope in that? They've had this immensely you know difficult start you've got one particular kid who's you know mother used drugs and alcohol when she was pregnant and he's behind the eight ball he has fetal alcohol syndrome his cognitive ability is limited um he's one of those kids that has these um um decent gross motor skills mm. so like the basic things you do but his fine motor skills are very challenging so there's some things he can do really well but like he can't his throwing of a ball, like he'll never be able to do that properly because his fine motor skills is that. But there's other skills around, gross motor skills in his mind that he can control very well. And sometimes you look at that and it's cost. Like, oh, that's so sad. He'll never live to his full potential of mm-hmm. what he could have if his mom didn't use and, and you know drink while he was in utero. But on the other hand, he shows immense potential. And with the right support around him, mm-hmm. he can grow and thrive Mm-hmm. Is the boy that you know yeah. he's he's supposed to be and so seeing hope in circumstances and never losing the hope that actually yeah. that's great. things can things can change sometimes it's a long hard road and it's easy for me in front of a microphone to <laughs> yeah. say oh look this boy is gonna thrive but yeah. then when i go home today and he just can't process what i'm asking him to do and he screams and yells and he just gets that loud thing it's so hard yeah to take deep breaths and, and go through that and um, as much as I can be admired for taking kids into my home, mm. I immensely admire anybody listening who looks after the vulnerable through teaching and trying to get mm. these kids who might mm. look like, gosh, where's the hope in that? But it's amazing what hope mm. you could find. Mm. Um, and the difference that a long-term father figure, and maybe that's the other thing too, is if anyone thinks that being a positive male or father figure is going to make immediate impact within a week or two. I think you're fooling yourself. It's the long-term yeah. impact that, and and for us, these seventy kids that have been in our home, ninety-nine percent of them will never know the impact we've made on them. They've mm-hmm. gone to other families. They've mm-hmm. gone back to family. They've gone back to country up north. Mm-hmm. Most of them will never know, but just occasionally you'll get this little glimpse of, oh, you know, this 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 child. May not have gone down the path they, they wanted, but I just think there's always little subtle things that you can do for young people in your home mm. that you hope that when they grow up, even if they were really young, that they remember there was one safe family that they had yeah. where dad didn't mm. barge into the room or didn't mm. respond mm. In, a, in a negative or, or violent way. That yeah. There was that family that loved. And if they're older or they're younger, that you provide that safe space. You know, yes. We all probably remember a coach or a teacher Mm. that was particularly good to us, Mm. that made an impact on us. And you might not have had a chance to ever tell that teacher as an adult, Mm. the impact they made on you when you were a young person. So Mm. um, I think the place of hope that we try to gravitate onto, that we try to hold onto that, Mm. whatever, however hard it is, Mm. and it won't be true of all our kids. Some kids aren't gonna thrive. Some kids aren't gonna ever make the right decision, but you never know later in life, what could happen because you were a positive mm. influence.
1: Yeah, you're thinking about hope and I'm thinking about how like words and how they connect to that. Yeah. And this, like you said, you don't always know
2: yeah. what
1: you're doing mm. or the impact that's gonna make, but it does make an impact
2: yeah and and it's sort of undoing this old adage probably used more when we were kids than today you know that sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt your bones actually heal to a stronger place after they break yeah but the words that pierce your heart and soul are really hard to um to overcome which partly why i mentioned about repentance and forgiveness before Mm -hmm. but partly to remember that our words are really powerful yes the words we say to our wives to our kids Mm um that's some of the worst mistakes we can make and even i was talking a bit more about the violence sort of the 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 physical violence but the violence that we can do with our words particularly on our daughters actually can be really really impactful that we have to speak words of hope and positivity and Mm. we have to try to not respond yes um negatively um to the girls in our life because if we set a pattern for the girls because father figures, aren't just father figures for boys or father figures for girls as well. If we speak negatively and begrudgingly to our daughters or the, or are mm-hmm. the females that we're making an impact on, then when they choose a partner later in life, they're going to gravitate toward mm-hmm. the ones that treat them badly because oh, well, everyone treats me bad mm-hmm. because that's what my dad did. or That's what my mm-hmm. father figure did. And they're just going to lead to a bad choice later in life for the bloke that looks after them because all they're going to see is the bad words or the bad actions and domestic violence isn't just about physical violence it can be emotional oh, yeah. verbal and controlling and so if we're that way with our daughters and our kids mm. then um then that's not setting up a good model yeah no, that's for good. things so how do we bring hope to the women in our life mm. who desperately need father figures just as much as um boys do
0: yeah which, which is probably in, in a sense a good segue because Obviously, whilst we're talking about fathering and some of the, the lessons we can draw from there as it applies to other parts of life, I am curious around even thinking about our staff here at Alter One. Uh, and so for the staff here, for those who obviously work with the young people, uh, particularly the students, uh, male, female, doesn't matter, the, the students who don't have father figures or don't have fathers present in their lives, um, whether that's literally or perhaps emotionally, um, how can our staff model a sense of safety, a sense of belonging for our, our young people, whether or not the staff member is uh, a father figure or, or whether it's someone who's like a bit, bit like a mothering figure or however you want to phrase that. Like I'm curious around what it looks like for us as staff mm-hmm. to, to kind of model safety, kind of model yeah. a sense of belonging. The first thing that came to mind is this
2: idea of overemphasizing their strengths and their good qualities. So every young person, as difficult as they are, has good qualities about them. Things that make them talented or a good person or good qualities. And how can you as a staff overemphasize the good things that they are? Because it builds foundations in them. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a bit like building the, um, the Jenga tower in some ways that you're constantly putting blocks in to make sure that it's 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 stable. And so I think that's looking for those good opportunities and uplifting because we talk about words mattering. Mm. It may take a while for bad words to find healing. Yeah. But good words can be an amazing medicine, yeah. especially for kids who are home mm. or not getting the good words, yes. the good reinforcement. So yeah. positive reinforcement and just looking for the good in them and, and I I use that term overemphasizing because I just think mm. you almost can't be too positive affirming of a yes. child who, yeah. who really needs that. That doesn't mean at the expense of calling out mm. things that are oh, yeah. wrong behavior. That mm. you're, not, you're not choosing it on the side of that. But yes. you are um, actually going, oh, you know, you're actually really good at this. How can you uplift this skill? How can I help you mm. uplift this skill? Whether mm. they're a good writer, whether they're a good reader, whether they're good mm. at footy whether they're good at numbers whatever the thing is how can you uplift yeah we just
1: yeah we just did listening i'm listening to you say this and it's we just literally did some training with a group called berry street which does a lot of educational training and they said something a statement which stuck with a lot of people which is not to focus on what's wrong but focus on what's strong Mm. uh in in the young person and just how that positive that muscle of positivity yeah. yeah and how it generates hope and the and, and impacts mm. mm-hmm. a sense of of yeah atmosphere.
2: one of the concepts i learned uh was called asset-based development i think it's the search mm. institute in the u.s and it was focusing on the assets and the good of a community from a community development yeah. mindset yeah. you go into a community yeah uh let's just say midland because that's where i live mm. and some community development concepts would look at the bad things all oh, the train station's bad and the grocery <laughs> store's bad and there's all this conflict in community development here, but how do you actually look at the assets? Well, it's really Mm. cool that say the train is 20 minutes away from the city Mm. and it's really cool. There's these beautiful buildings Mm. and architecture that's been maintained in that community. What are the positives in here? And it's certainly true for Mm. young people. What are the positives that, that these people and and uplifting those positives um, is something both as, particularly as um, the the father figures or the teachers Mm.
0: here at the school,
2: but also in our families.
0: Yeah. I I really like that. I mean, in, in, Part of what I'm thinking as well, also in light of some of the recent training we've had mm. as alter One staff, is this notion of almost twofold ways of offering praise. It's it's praise in terms of their in- inherent worth as yeah. people to whom um, we're called to care for and have compassion for and love, yeah. and to really draw out their inherent worth, as well as what's often called process praise as well. To mm. actually notice some concrete positive steps that they've taken yeah or their concrete gifts and uh, talents yeah and to actually go oh when you went from a i've no i noticed when you went from a to b well done and Mm. it's actually yeah yeah so So it's both it's both their inherent worth as well as the process that they're making pulling out the strengths there um really really helpful for us as staff i think to remember that especially with the work that we Mm. do with with our young people. Totally. And,
2: and maybe the part I'd add to, and going back to the sport coaching mm. thing, sometimes, whether it's professional, whether it's high school age kids, whatever, we sort of know that there's two kind of athletes. Mm. And one kind of athlete who responds and just needs clarity, and if the coach yells at him and says, you need to do this, you need to do that, and yells, and some, some players actually can respond to a kick in the butt mm. to motivate them to do their sport. Mm. But we know that other athletes respond better with an arm around the shoulder and an mm. encouragement to say, you just need to do this better. Mm-hmm. And some of the um, famous, I think sometimes we think of coaches as that, that yelly kind of motivator, mm-hmm. you know, sort of old-time coaches. But um, but if you follow NBA, I was, I was watching a thing, you know, Steve Kerr, who is the coach of the Golden State Warriors, mm-hmm. is actually a very somewhat soft-spoken leader who motivates his players mm-hmm. in a very different way than the typical coaches. Part of that is because he learned from Phil Jackson, who was a yeah. Chicago Bulls coach. And these guys were mental kind of coaches that were always encouraging Mm. and taking their players on a Mm. journey and managing egos Mm. to a sense that you can coach these different athletes. And so Mm. I think that as teachers, Mm. you have to sort of figure out what does it that makes that kid tick? Mm. And... The problem, of course, with kids from trauma is that it might be a different thing every day, and so mm. it almost would leave your head spinning. <laughs> yeah, but what are is. the things yeah. that they respond positively to? Yeah, it's great. that you can sort of encourage them and mm. uplift them in, mm. and have that concept—not literally, but figuratively—the armor on the shoulders. Say, hey, I'm on this journey with you, mm. Mm. Uh, and we're going to get to this. I we're going to achieve this goal in the class. That's so um, good.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely lingo and language that we. We adopt is to walk mm. alongside a young person and help them in their journey to to you know to recovery and to growth and to flourishing. And mm. So, but it's been absolutely awesome to have you on here. I've really loved this conversation. Mm. Being that Father's Day is literally round the corner, yeah. mm. uh, if you would say one last thing, just one to any father figure out there for Father's Day, what would you say? I
2: think if I can just say one thing to fathers and father figures for Father's Day. Um, I'm sort of trying to decide, um, you know, I've got a lot of kids in my house, as was mentioned before. And I've been sort of deciding what, you know, what do I want to do? What do I want for for Father's Day? What do I want to do for for Father's Day? And um, sometimes I love food, so I'm happy to go out to... Porky's Barbecue or, or um, you know, grilled or get a good burger or anything like that and have that experience as Sponsorship but, um, deals. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, um, but sometimes some of the best things I've done is either gone on a, on a hike or gone to Whiteman Park and gone on a train and sort of gone on a, on a journey. And I use that not in a literal sense, you know, not to flood one of those places through sponsorship, whatever, but, but to actually think of what's the journey that I can take my kids on. And it slightly reminds me of when we were in Calberry um, a few years ago. And I know this isn't that one quick nugget thing. But we were walking through one of those really tough walks. And my wife was at the front, sort of setting the pace a little bit. She had some of the younger kids. And then all the kids were lined up and I was in the back. I remember reflecting, the leader doesn't always have to be the person in the front. They can be the person in the back, making sure that anyone who needs that last little push from the back can actually be helped and i think as men as blokes as fathers teachers whatever we tend to think oh we're the leader we go forward but you can actually be the person in the back that makes sure that no one falls behind and that can see the whole context that can oh see God. sort of the stuff on the side can see the potential pitfalls <coughs> and can call it hold up hold up we just have to slow up back here and you actually can't always do that from the front wow you can actually do it from the back
1: wow. insightful awesome. yeah. insightful that. Hey, well, that was like I said, that was a lot longer than one word, but it was a good one, yeah. and I think that's where we're going to leave it. But hey, thank you, mate, so much. Uh, congratulations on the award, even though it's it's been a year. But keep keep up the great work, and I think we need to get you back. Yeah, and
2: yeah. thanks, Alter One, for what you do. You are a light in this community. Uh, in ways that you probably don't always appreciate and understand, um, but I very much admire the work—not only that you guys do, but all your teachers and staff do. Mm. Um, because ultimately, um, even with all the kids in my care, you know I might need you someday <laughs> to look after one of my kids if they if they struggle, one of my foster kids or one of the foster kids. And I think you you achieve an objective that the traditional mainstream schools can't always achieve, and you're that opportunity for kids. Oh, and um, so yeah, I admire what you guys do. Thank you.
1: It's very kind. Thanks, Rick. Been great to have you. Well, we'll leave it there, everybody. I hope you've enjoyed, got something out of today's podcast. Um, rewind it, listen to it again. There are so many good things in there. So we will see you next time on Alta One Heartbeat.
0: You have been listening to Heartbeat. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to the show and share far and wide. This has been a podcast produced by Alter One College. To find out more about Alter One College, follow us on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn or visit the college website at www.alter-one.com.au